Frank, man, hey, how's it going today? Hey, good. Armin, what's up? Hey, have you ever heard of Mike Mincer? No, who's that? He's the king of heavy-duty, high-intensity training. So we're going to talk about him on the show today. It's going to be a great one, Frank. Oh, look forward to it. Awesome. Welcome to the NSP Nutrition Show. I'm Armin Eckelbarger. And I am Frank Mills, and we have a great show for you today. Uh, today, Armin and I will be talking about experience, Armin's experience doing high-intensity training and the Mike Menser way, as we discussed at the beginning, and the benefits of, boy, I, I knew I was going to wreck that, yeah. of cruciferous vegetables. Sorry about that, nice. everybody. But uh, anyway, let's let's get started. Armin, Mike Mincer, uh, the name kind of sounded familiar, but I really didn't know who he was, to be honest with you. So um, tell us about this experience that you have of high intensity training in the Mike Mincer way. Okay. Well, let me just touch base on who Mike is. He was okay. a, a famous bodybuilder. Um, unfortunately, he didn't live too long, uh, hmm. but... He did make some unique, um, what I would call, good things happen in the, uh, when it comes to training. Okay. Um, but you know, he was born in uh, born November fifteenth, nineteen fifty-one. He, he died June the tenth, two thousand one. He was an IFBB pro professional bodybuilder. Uh, he was also a businessman and author. He was very into philosophy as well. Mm -hmm. So he's a fairly intelligent guy, and so. Um, when we talk about him, you'll kind of get a little bit more reasoning behind why I decided to try some of his concepts. But um, mm -hmm. uh, another thing about him is he started bodybuilding at the age of 12, a very young wow. age. And then he started competing at the age mm -hmm. of 18. Um, then he eventually uh, won the Mr. America title in 1976. And then he won the Mr. Universe in 1978. And when he did that in 1978, this is another thing he was known for, mm -hmm. is he was the first ever competitor to get a 300 perfect score. No oh, other wow. bodybuilder huh. had ever done that. So okay. he was really making things happen. And then on that, he turned pro, uh, basically turned pro in 1979. You know, after he got his Mr. Universe, he started competing in the pro level. Okay. So in 1979, he actually won the Mr. Olympia heavyweight class. They had two classes back then. So he actually won the Olympia to some degree, but he lost the overall. And he also had a perfect score when he won the heavyweight of the Mr. Olympia in okay. the heavyweight class mm -hmm. and with that perfect score there. But he lost the overall to Frank Zane. Frank Zane won in 1977, 78, and 79. Mm -hmm. uh, so then he had big plans for 1980. And that's when things kind of started falling apart for him. Because that's when Arnold decided to make his comeback in oh. Australia. And Mike ended up getting fifth. And he was just so frustrated because of the way Arnold was allowed to enter the show at the last minute and all these mm -hmm. different things. He just felt that you would, you shouldn't be able to do that. They wouldn't normally let other people do that. So he uh, felt it was rigged. And his attitude really went south after that as far as mm -hmm. competing. So he just retired. <laughs> so, so by you being 
experienced as you are and you kind of gravitated toward the Mike Mincer way, what, what made Mike different, um, from other competing bodybuilders back in that time? Well, Mike, again, was a pretty smart guy. He was always looking for answers and he wanted to win. And so he's looking at all the different things that are mm -hmm. available. And initially with all the training he had done, he was doing the typical volume training. So you'd be training two hours or sometimes more than that, right. um, in the gym. Um, so as he was doing that, um, he was also competing and then he lost a competition early on in his twenties to a guy named Casey Viator. Okay. And he was really impressed by this guy. This guy was, you know, really, really big, very thick muscled. And so he, he got to know him and Casey had mentioned that um, he had been working with Arthur Jones and Arthur Jones was the creator of Niles at the time. Oh, and wow. so, okay. you know, what happened was is Casey eventually uh, introduced Mike to Arthur and they, you know, they hit it off. So then Mike was kind of excited to learn how Casey had built his physique and started learning the techniques that Arthur had been training Casey Vader on. Um, and so, uh, some of the things that Arthur Jones was known for is you do one set to muscular failure, uh, you would do, uh, really controlled repetitions. So, you know, emphasizing the, the negative, uh, the stretch, the positive, the static hold, and really okay. increasing intensity as much as possible to reach a higher level of development. Um, and so that was basically the these things made a lot of sense to Mike. And so he started getting involved with that. So mm -hmm. as he learned to under Jones, he was really figuring these things out. He liked what was happening for him. But at the same time, as he kept training with, as he kept working with Arthur Jones, he kind of fell out of favor in the sense that he didn't feel like Arthur Jones was doing everything he could be doing the way he said he was doing it. So right, there were some right. things there that kind of bothered him. So that was, um, you know, he decided that, you the to part ways at that point <clears throat> gotcha hmm interesting so for that point and for that information you're telling us it it seems like mike very hungry for information oh, and yeah. really was on a quest right uh so what happened after that well so mike kept learning and experimenting with these different techniques and so mm -hmm. um and then you know because arthur he didn't feel as fully utilizing all of his principles that he talked about, Mike decided to take it further on his own and start, and that's when he decided to create the high intensity training program, which he called at the time was called heavy duty training and just started doing his own methodology uh, regarding these techniques. So what made you, well, actually what made Mike decide to try this kind of training? I mean, how did that attract him? Well, Mike wanted to, he didn't like, he was looking for efficiency. Uh -huh. uh, so with that, he wanted to find out, is there a better way to get more muscular growth versus just doing all the volume? Because, you know, the volume is very hard on you and it affects mm -hmm. your recovery. Right. So he was looking right. for a better technique. So Interesting. That, was, that was one of the things there. All right. So I'm kind of curious what happened when, when you tried and you actually implemented this into your training program? Well, let me just step back for a second and then uh -huh. kind of, let me explain um, why I decided to try this okay. training strategy. 
So in my situation, I was doing the typical three sets to 10, 12, and you know, just do different exercises, different combinations, but they're mostly straight sets. You know, I do some supersets as well, but I wasn't, you know, it was just, I was finding my training was getting really stale mm -hmm. and I wasn't getting much results either on top of that. And when it gets stale and you don't see results, you start to wonder, okay, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. So I was looking for something, you know, more unique. But also, I was raising a family. I got kids. I got work. I got all these things going on. I was looking for more efficiency as well. And so I started researching. I you know, bought the book. Started researching and read it, and decided, all right, I'm going to give this a try because my recovery wasn't good from the mm -hmm. workouts that I was doing. I was getting sick a lot, and I just didn't understand why all this was happening. And I thought, you know, let me just try something else totally different because everything else I was reading was. Kind of the same kind of stuff just maybe change it a little bit here a little bit there mm -hmm. but i was also really curious about the intensity factor so i felt like i was training pretty intense mm -hmm. all right armin so what happened when you did it okay so this was quite a, a process because i'm doing i'm going to do something totally different i've never done before and mm -hmm. i got to do one set to failure is what mike was saying he would say you no more than two sets so he did have one exception but it's one set to failure, no more than two sets with that particular exercise. So I'm trying to figure out, well, how is this going to work? Right. Because you know, you're used right. to doing volume. And I decided, all right, so I got to figure out how to increase that intensity so I get something out of this. So I kept reading the book. And then I would go in the gym and just do the routines that were in the book and try to emulate those as much as possible and try to figure out how I can keep pushing myself to really stimulate as much muscle fiber as possible. Mm -hmm. And what I found is, because with Mike's system, you have to do it a particular way. So, but what I found is every week I was getting a little bit more, a little stronger. And then uh, I had good recovery. And I could tell there was a difference going on uh, with what I was doing. So I kept doing this. I did it for like almost five years uh, and was pretty surprised by how, how well I recovered, how I was doing. I wasn't planning on competing or anything. I just wanted a different way to train so that I had more energy to, to help take care of my family and you know, get mm -hmm. work done and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what happened to me when I, when I started doing it uh, at that point. <clears throat> and so how long did you do it, Armin? I did it for basically about five years. And so oh, wow. I kind of I still do it to some degree, but I have modified it just because of, you know, things I've noticed as well, and also continue to experiment, especially when you're comparing a Mike Mentor training style to a Vince Geronda training style. Right. And I've right. kind of, what I've kind of done is meshed them together. Hmm. We'll kind of touch on that. Okay. So I'm kind of curious, what do you think, or maybe what would you say are the key takeaways from this style of training? Uh, I mean, for five years, that's a long time. So, you know, the, the main thing was, is I didn't, I was, I was in the gym 15, maybe at the most 30 minutes and I'm out of there. And oh, then wow. I was focused on recovery and because he, Mike has a really long dissertation about recovery. So he's like, when we talk about recovery, Mike was all about recovery because mm -hmm. without it, he didn't feel like you're going to get the gains anyways. Mm -hmm. So uh, what you have to understand though is what builds muscle, what I kind of figured out by doing this is intensity. 
So you got to stimulate, you got to make the body have to adapt to a certain level of stress. And so the, the higher the intensity, the more the body seems to respond to that. But there's a point of diminishing returns. So in other words, Mike and himself would use the term, you can't sprint a marathon. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that just makes sense. So there's a, a certain point of diminishing returns, and that's what he was really um, getting at. Okay. So when it came to developing intensity, what I got out of that was you know, he went into pre-exhaust work, which was perfect for what I was trying to do because my chest was really weak. And I was strong, but my chest was really weak. And by doing pre-exhaust work, I, I learned how to bring out my chest much better. And I learned how to bring up the weaker muscle groups by doing the pre-exhaust work. Mm-hmm. slowing the tempo down and really challenging yourself to get through a, a slow repetition and pause and impress. Uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it, it was kind of a, it was a really stimulating situation, but it was also, mm-hmm. you know, intimidating on what you're trying to do. Cause you you already know what's going to happen when you start to do it a second time. Right. And right. then his warm up sets, his warm up sets are on, you know, a lot of guys, what they do is they, they warm up and they just keep, they, after they warm up a little bit, then they just keep adding weight and they keep adding weight and see how much, how many reps they can get. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike's approach was, why are you doing that? Why do you keep adding more weight? You're adding heavier weight and you're burning all the glucose off before you even get to the heavy weight. So why don't you save your glucose, your energy, for the heavy stuff, just do some small warmups. And this is what, this is what powerlifters do. Mm-hmm. They'll do a, a set of two or three reps, and then they'll keep adding weight, set of two or three reps, and then they finally hit that work set. This is what happens here. You hit that work set, and you give it all you got, and it's all out. Mm-hmm. So you keep focusing on how you can increase the intensity, and then you get to those work sets, you give it all you got, and then the other thing that was important is you had to track every workout. So you had to write down everything, which I didn't, you know, I didn't do for a long time. I kind of got out of that. Well, you know, he's like, you got to measure what's happening to see if you're improving. And if not, something's not working. You're not getting enough rest. You're not getting enough food. You got a lot of stress going on. You're not getting mm-hmm. enough sleep, that kind of stuff, which was true. Cause I, I, right. I figured that out as well as I, you know, some workouts weren't as good. And I looked back and what happened and yeah, I didn't get enough sleep that day or mm-hmm. I was under t- tremendous amount of stress. And so my energy wasn't good either going into the workout. Right. So, you know, I was able to kind of figure that out. So got better recovery. Then the other thing I found was because I'm lifting heavier weight, which oh, this is a, you know, this is a really good weight. I mean, I was close grip benching 300 pounds for reps, like, you know, eight reps, mm-hmm. close grip. So that's pretty good. And squatting, you know, four, 455 uh, for like 12 to 15 reps, et cetera. Uh, you get better muscle thickness is what I found with the heavy stuff because you're, you're stimulating the fast twitch uh, white muscle fiber. So that okay. was the other takeaway. Interesting. Kind of a long dissertation there. <laughs> no, no, that's really good information. Now you had mentioned that you had trained that way for five years, but you've kind of altered it and combined it. Um, what made you kind of change things up after five years and, and kind of alter it? So as I, you know, I was just doing that. I liked that training, mm-hmm. but I was also still searching for their answers. And then I got back into, I got, I was looking for supplements and then come across Vince's stuff. And I forgot uh. all about Vince's training ideas. And so I was like, well, you know, Vince got good results too. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading a lot of Vince's material, two things came together on this. Uh, keep the workout short. And so Vince was, you know, you, you shouldn't need more than 45 minutes of, con- of 
consistent training and then you should right. take a break and rest. Okay. Now Vince was open to doing two workouts a day and that kind of thing. But that again was all based on recovery. So mm-hmm. what I was getting here is the sweet spot of intensity is up to about 45 minutes. If giving it all you got, then you let the body stop, rest and recover as much as you can. So you'll be as fresh as you need to be for the next training session. So which was also favorable to keep my um, my schedule really simple. I didn't have to think I got to go train for an hour and I got to take right. a shower and I got to do all these things. It makes it more easier to stay consistent by knowing it's only going to be 45 minutes. I just got to work really hard, get in and out. So that was kind of like one of the things I felt was a win by combining both the strategies. Because with Vince's, you know, the strategy was trained at a really fast pace. With Mike, mm-hmm. it was trained a little slower pace, but all out for that one set. Well, you've obviously been doing a lot of training and a lot of different types for a long time. And um, I'm curious, what kind of advice would you have for somebody who's trying to consider the Mike Mincer way type of training? All right. So in my opinion, based on how I learned everything, you know, I'd buy the book if you Mm -hmm. really want to get, you know, the the exact structure, because he has detailed routines in there that uh, are, they're pretty simple, mm-hmm. but you, you need to track everything you're doing to measure your progress. So whether you track it on an app or you write it down, you put on a spreadsheet, whatever, that's going to be important because then you can go back and understand what's working and not working. Um, and that keeps you motivated. So that was another right. thing that was kind of important to me. I was just surprised how much stronger I was getting week after week. Cause you know, the goal was every, each and every workout, try to get one more rep, Mm-hmm. Or if I got to the, my rep max, then I was going to add weight and make sure I get that minimum of six with the heavier weight. So I was adding weight pretty progressively, which is really cool. Um, other things to do would be you got to understand your volume of training is going to drop right. Right, if you do a, if you do a high volume. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. But that can be a good thing. It can be good for recovery. And you may need to do some lower volume, just to let everything kind of clear up with the central nervous system and things like that. Um, and then the warmups, you know, he, he, a lot of guys, they do so many warm-up sets or so many progressive overload sets that by the time they get to the heavy stuff that they really want to work with, mm-hmm. they don't have the glucose anymore because they use it up on the other sets. And that, that is a big difference there. Mm-hmm. So like when I, after I warm up, I don't, I go right to the main weight. I know what weight I'm going to use and I'm tracking it. And I'm going to see, okay, what can I get with this today? So it's a different mindset when it comes to determining, you know, what you're going to do for that workout. And it challenges you because you're like, okay, how am I going to get one more rep? Mm-hmm. So then you start learning about forced reps. You start learning about, you know, other pre-exhaust options. You start learning about having somebody to assist you to get, you know, some partial reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you take things to a different level, but you're doing it in a safe, uh, manageable way. But what also happens is with these higher tech intensity techniques is you're going to stimulate more muscle growth. Right. right. I was like, I was seeing stuff starting to happen that you know, I hadn't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Then on well, top of that, the recovery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead, you had a question? No, no. I was just kind of, kind of curious when you were talking uh, about all those different things. I, that was my next question is what about the recovery? Because he was so focused on recovery, right? Yeah. So in some respects, I think his recovery was too much, mm-hmm. but 
you know, he was at a different level. And again, you know, you know, he was probably on drugs, you know, gear as they call it, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not doing. Right. So I felt like my recovery got improved. But then I was, as I learned my recovery, which is another takeaway for me, then I knew when I, I could up my game some more. So that's another thing, you know, making okay. sure you get enough food, make sure you get enough rest, sleep, and you know, keep the stress down and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was an excellent way to learn how to manage my recovery. And so what about the long-term effects, Armin, from this type of training? How does that work? Okay, so it's it's got some really good benefits to it. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, over a period of time, again, I was doing it for almost five years, I was getting up to some pretty heavy weight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mike's rep scheme for like upper body is six to 10 reps, period. And lower body is 12 to 20. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, change in that. Mm-hmm. So when you're using maximum weight with that kind of uh, rep scheme, it will tend to start to affect your joints over time. So that was one of the things that I think mm-hmm. kind of initiated the, the, some of the joint issues. And that's when I realized I got to kind of cut things back. I can still go heavy, right, but I got to. Right cut things back and then still offset that with maybe some additional sets just to kind of, again, push as much blood to the muscles possible. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, how do you think the training worked for you, Armin? Well, I liked it because it was different. I was uh, learning a lot as I was learning a lot about my body, which mm-hmm. I was more so than what I was doing from the other. And, you know, it could be different reasons for that. I was just more focused because I was learning and it was so unique. And I, I really want to understand how do you, push yourself to stimulate enough muscle to make it work. And it did work. Uh, now I wouldn't say, uh, it put a ton of muscle on me, but it made my muscle thickness very, uh, good. And okay. that muscle density is important because when you lean out, that's when you see how much true muscle you have. So that's what I got out of that. Um, but the other thing is, is I learned how to do isolation work to make my weaker body parts better so okay. you know, we talk about the pre-exhaust you know, my weak body part was my chest and then also my lats weren't as good so i learned about doing pullovers and you superset that with pull-ups uh and that's that that really helps your wet your help my lat width mm-hmm. doing fly work before i do presses really helped my pecs to develop much much more evenly and the same thing with doing lateral raises before you do shoulder presses leg extensions before you do squats or leg presses you know there's just different things that he did when mm-hmm. you pre-exhaust. It stimulates a lot more muscle fiber. And, you know, he would do rest-pause uh, sets, too, where, you know, you do as many as you can, then you'd rest for 20, 30 seconds and try to squeeze out a couple more reps. You know, again, you're going to failure. So that was mm-hmm. the thing. Could you, you get to the point where you couldn't even hardly move the weight? So learning this stuff was a little bit of a journey. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of have to have a, a spotter on some of it, too. So that's the other thing. Uh, but I was able, I did have that. Uh, fortunately for me, I had somebody could spot me mm-hmm. or I'd get somebody and explain to them what I'm going to do. So I thought it was a good experience for me, um, you know, pure and simple. Um, but I've kind of combined things at this point in time in, in my career. <laughs> well, you know, when somebody's going to watch this show or actually listen to the podcast, they're going to hear this. And of course, you're going to go and explore the Mike Mincer way and you're going to get into it. But just kind of curious, is this something that you would recommend this style of training? So that's a really good question. So because, you know, I don't do it the same as I did. 
-hmm. But I would say, yes, I would at least experiment with it uh, for a month or a couple months and see you know, how you respond to it. Um, but just understanding you're not going to be doing the volume, right. but you're learning how to maximize intensity. And so once I learned that and then I added some volume, then I was able to package it in a way so my recovery was still good. And mm -hmm. then I was able to improve uh, my muscle size better uh, with using both techniques uh, and then also using the different exercise combinations to bring up the weak body parts, which is what you have to do if you want to be at a competitive level or you want to mm -hmm. look really good. Do you want to make sure everything's well balanced? And that's what I wanted to do. So I thought it was, I thought it was very beneficial. So I do, uh, I do think it's a good thing to try. Um, but at the end of the day, as you learn it, you'll be able to change your training so that you always have that intensity because mm -hmm. that's the hard part to learn is intensity, how to make, how to push yourself mm -hmm. to the point of muscular failure and safely as well. Right. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people can take it out for a test drive. Uh, you know, if you're looking to change up your workout or something like that for a short time or. Who knows? You may like it, want to implement it for a longer time, like Armin did five years, you know, who knows, but, yeah. uh, you know, so it's worth at least taking a chance and going out and trying something different then. Right. Yeah. Especially if you have a tight schedule and mm -hmm. time and you don't have much time. I think it's a great approach because that's how it worked for me because, you know, it's raising kids and business, you know, working in the business and stuff and you got to allocate your time as best you can, but I still wanted to train. Absolutely. Well, Armin, some great information about Mike Mincer and his way of training. Uh, you know, Armin, we got some exciting news for the people who watch and listen to our show. Um, I don't know if anybody knows this, but if you go to the NSP Nutrition website, nspnutrition.com, and if you look on the toolbar going across the top, you will now see an added category for the NSP Nutrition Show. Uh, it has direct links to YouTube and our podcast hosting site. But Armin, mm -hmm. I've got even more good news as well. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So we've got the podcast is now available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, among many of your other favorite podcast apps. So if you don't have time to watch us on YouTube, you can now listen on your favorite podcast app. Just go yeah. ahead and search NSP Nutrition Show. Subscribe, like, share it with your friends and family. Add it to your list of favorites, and you can check us out weekly with the show. So we knew it would take a little time, but... Uh, and really shortly, we'll be adding those links onto the website as well. So you can have easy access as well. But pretty exciting news, huh, Armin? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. So now we have more, yeah, get more access to it and let other people know. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Armin and I, we're going to take a quick break. And we appreciate you joining us today. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about vegetables, cruciferous vegetables <laughs> to be 100%. Uh, but uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. NSP Nutrition was founded by Vince Gironda during bodybuilding's golden era. Vince wanted to supply his members with unique and nationally sourced supplements that would help accelerate their progress. NSP Nutrition stocks some of the same products it did when it first began in 1972. And you can discover our entire range of supplements and products at nspnutrition.com. 
Just use the code NSP Show at the checkout and save 10% on your first order. Hey, welcome back to the NSP Nutrition Show. I'm Armin Eckelbarger. And I'm Frank Mills. And of course, we're going to talk about the benefits of cruciferous vegetables. Boy, I wrecked it again. That's a tough <laughs> one. Um, cruciferous, you know, man. We, we all grew up at the dinner table having to eat our cruciferous vegetables, uh, broccoli, you know, Brussels sprouts, that kind of stuff. Uh, you see it in movies a lot, but maybe you could explain what are cruciferous vegetables. All right. Well, what they are, they're part of the brassica genus of plants. Okay. And so what you're going to find with these um, is like that classify as cruciferous. There's a lot of them. Okay. But we're just going to highlight a couple of key ones. We're going to arugula, bok choy, you know, bro broccoli, Brussels mm -hmm. sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, collard greens, kale, and garden crust, et cetera. So there's about 3,000 different uh, cruciferous species. Mm. So uh, there's a lot. But at the end of the day, what they are, they're thick, fibrous vegetables as well. So they have a high amount of fiber uh, and some other good properties, which we're going to talk about. That's funny. I wouldn't have put cauliflower on my list if I had to name them. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, is there a reason why they're named cruciferous? Yeah, I was kind of curious about that too. So uh -huh. I guess it's because of their four petaled flowers that looks like a, a crucifer or a cross. There's a the cross type shape to it. Huh. Um, you know, okay. when you look at them, like colored mustard greens as an example, mm -hmm. uh, that or like, you know, the bottom of a cauliflower, you got the big stumps on the bottom side. Mm -hmm. So that's right. how they, they, they back a long time ago, they call them cruciferous. All right. So what are the benefits of eating these vegetables? Because we hear that they're good for you. That's for sure. Well, they're high in vitamins and minerals, uh, especially folate, vitamin K, which, you know, vitamin K is something that people need a lot of uh, to help push you know, the calcium into the bones, but vitamin K2, especially for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you, know, you have your dark green versions of it, so those are higher in vitamin A and vitamin C. And so you got some phytonutrients to come with it. Um, and then the, there's different comp the different compounds which really help fight inflammation. And so when you're doing that, then it helps reduce the risk of developing cancer and other uh, damaged cells. So okay. it, it has a really good feature to that. Other than that, they also have had a decent amount of protein. Of course, it's plant protein. Again, like I mentioned, high in fiber, uh, along with the vitamins and minerals. So, well, a lot of people think that eating vegetables is good for you, and and they are, but are cruciferous vegetables, are, are they good for everybody? All right, well, that's a good question. So what you need to know about eating cruciferous vegetables, especially if you eat a lot of them, is if you have a thyroid disorder, like for me, I have a thyroid condition, so I take armor for that. And so cruciferous vegetables can get in the way of your iodine absorption. Oh. So that's, you know, which like broccoli, the cauliflower, the Brussels sprouts, you know, kale. So what they're seeing is they feel like it interferes with the, your iodine absorption. So one of the things which that's important because you need a good operating thyroid for good metabolism, burn energy, keep your body temperature up, et cetera. So uh, what you want to do and, and what I had figured out is, you know, I'm on thyroid medication, but I take the iodine to offset that. So that's mm -hmm. another benefit of taking iodine to NSPA, IK, IKI tabs. Okay. Okay. Well, what are some of the health benefits of eating cruciferous vegetables? Because there's got to be a lot, right? Well, uh, I'm going to have a little 
try to pronounce this word, but you know, they contain <laughs> what's called glucosinolates. Okay. okay. Glucosinolates. I think that's how you say it. And these are compounds uh, and, and they come from the dark green plants. Uh, it, what that does, it gives them that bitter flavor. So what these do is they have a strong anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. So it helps protect the cells from disease causing damage because, you know, the cells over time, you know, they start to slowly die off. And so this is one of the protective things that you can eat to help okay. that from having that cell be start to replicate and become a cancerous type cell because that's typically what happens. Um, you know, so they've been shown to kill cancer cells and stop any kind of tumor growth. So you'll, okay. they're, they're out, they're applied in different, uh, medical therapies as well. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're doing hormone therapy and things like that, um, you know, the nutritional content is also associated with low risk of, you know, uh, chronic diet, chronic disease like diabetes, mm -hmm. uh, asthma, and even Alzheimer's. So what they're seeing with it, it's a good thing to have it in the mix. Um, and then the anti-microbial, 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 I can't say it very well, <laughs> struggling on that, but these anti-microbial properties, they give your immune defenses a good boost so that you can, you can get rid of pathogens as they hit your system. So when you're eating them, it helps keep that immune system in the gut, keep that flora up to help keep things working at a high level to get rid of anything that the body doesn't need, especially, you know, any kind of thing that's going to cause a sickness or illness, these pathogens. So it has a cleansing effect for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I am kind of curious because there's a lot of different ways that you can prepare a vegetable. Yeah. Is there a specific way that you would recommend or is there a right way, I guess? Well, that's kind of a loaded gun too. You're going to have a lot of different opinions. Um, but you know, some of the research says, that, you know, if you steam the vegetables, it's better because you're going to retain more of the nutritional value versus if you boil them, you tend to boil out some of the nutrients. And then when you get rid of the water, you lose those nutrients. So right. steaming them is good. Uh, but microwaving is not bad either. Uh, you know, a little bit of water, you can microwave them, stir frying and sauteing. Um, those are other ways you can, you can do it. And at, and at the end of the day, you can just rinse them off and eat them raw. Mm -hmm. So right, you right. have those flexibilities, but there you're going to get more nutrient absorption by doing the, those methods we just talked about. But I got to tell you, I like it when my, uh, my wife takes and puts them in the oven and bros them with some herbs and like mm -hmm. coconut oil or, uh, extra light olive oil, put it in the mm -hmm. oven because it, you know, that cooks them and makes them nice and crunchy. Uh, and they, they taste really good. And that's another great way to eat them as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the taste. Cause on mine, I like the organic grass fed butter and salt is what I have oh, on yeah. mine. So what well, about like the taste? Too. You know, is there other options well, to flavor it up? You know, that's the thing. They have that bitter taste. So, but I've seen people make Brussels sprouts and they cook them with uh, the oil and the bacon. They, they bake them, uh, you know, put a little bit of bacon on them to flavor them up. So that's another strategy. Put the grass fed butter on them. Uh, that's, you know, I like that too. I mean, it makes them taste great. So mm -hmm. you can use ranch dressing, blue cheese, you know, dips, or you can use olive oil. So there's just different things you can kind of try to enhance the taste. Um, but it's kind of an acquired taste as well. So, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you, the more you eat them, the less of a big deal it is. So that, you know, you have to just be creative. There's a lot of creative ways to, to make them, but you know, for this, for this conversation, 
I don't know if we're gonna anybody we're dealing with is looking for a chef on the on this preparation. Probably are, but yeah, we, we're not we're not that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and and you don't want to do what like my sister used to do. She used to take Velveeta and pour over the broccoli. So no, yeah, you don't well, want to do stuff you know, like that. Broccoli <laughs> cheese, yeah. Now you can use broccoli <laughs> cheese, it's not bad. I mean, if just I do not that, Velveeta. Don't, yeah, don't do Velveeta. Right. You know, you just <laughs> that's just processed grease. Um, right. Well, right. It's not going to absorb well. Let's put it that way. So, <laughs> all right. So, Armin, what has been your experience with the cruciferous vegetables? Boy, I'm wrecking it every time. Well, it's yeah, it's not a simple word, but uh, I recommend them. You know, I like to eat them. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I have I do have a thyroid condition, so I take the iodine, so I can mm-hmm. offset that. But again, they're good in fiber, uh, and you, you have cancer suppressing properties for them because they yeah. do extract these different cruciferous vegetables. And you well, on top of that, they're good for suppressing um, estrogen for men mm-hmm. and helping uh, that with females as well. So that's another thing that they're also good at. So you're you have different ways you can take them as far as uh, medicinally and then also for food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't go wrong with putting them in your diet. And I guess that's the main thing we're trying to say here. It's, it's good to help get rid of damaged cells, help keep it from getting cancer and tumors. Uh, and then incorporate it for the other benefits that uh, that you get from the nutrients. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, a lot of people they they think that they don't have time for the preparation of proper nutrition. And you know, it all comes down to planning. But in regards to the supplementation, you know, NSP has some great iodine tabs, uh, and we both take them and. Uh, yeah. They are fantastic. So, yeah, I highly recommend those for anybody watching the show. Well, Armin, great information, man. As usual, uh, you always seem to bring some great content to the show, and and uh, I'm sure it's much appreciated by everyone watching and listening. Uh, no problem. Looking forward to doing it again next week. But, you know, the people who are listening, give us some additional ideas, other topics you'd like for us to cover because – that's what we're here for and try to keep it real informative and you get as much takeaway and value as you can for the show. Absolutely. And if you have any comments or suggestions or topics for the show that you'd like us to cover, you can comment on the YouTube channel or you can also contact nspnutrition.com. The email is support at nspnutrition.com and just Put in the topic line, NSP Nutrition Show, and they'll make sure that we get the question or the comment. And who knows, maybe your idea will be uh, the whole format of next week's show. You never know, right, Armin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're looking for is, you know, what people want to hear. Um, a- absolutely. You know, we, th- we got our own agenda, but I mean, just with things that we think people want to hear. But if you have something else that's important, probably other people are just as uh, concerned about it or like to learn more as well. So yeah, we're very open to all that. And and the most important thing is if you like the show, if you enjoy it, share it with a friend, a family member. Um, We would appreciate that very much. And, you know, all the information is right there on the NSP Nutrition Show page now. Uh, And if you like this show and if you're looking for more an in general nutrition type of a format, a fitness format. Armin and I, all the links are for Frank Mills Reality Fitness. It's on the NSP Nutrition Show page now. And uh, all the links are there to check that out as well. And if you like that, uh, you know, hey, check it out and see what happens. But uh, Armin, another great show. And uh, 
you know, we look forward to everyone joining us next week for another NSP Nutrition Show. Hey, thanks for checking out the NSP Show. Go to NSPNutrition.com where you can find a whole heap of resources to help you achieve stunning definition and eye-popping levels of muscularity. Don't forget you can save 10% on your first order by using the code NSP Show at the checkout. Catch you next time.